Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CEMIA markets. It's Tuesday, July the 19th. I'm Richard Woolley. And I'm Caterina Dassier. Coming up this week, our senior credit analyst and co-host Giulia Rusconi talks about Belgian manufacturer of bathroom products ideal standards, which has seen its bonds fall uh, steeply since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Magnus Sherman updates us on Ukraine's state oil and gas company Naftogas and the state's sovereign debt situation. Then we will be catching up with Robert Schack to discuss the latest on the primary market, focusing on what's happening in the CLO market. Ideal Standard's senior secured notes due 2026 are currently trading in the 60s, yielding more than 20%. The notes price has decreased by about 25 points since February the 24th when Russia invaded Ukraine, when they were yielding about 10%. Julia, what do you think caused this steep decline? I mean, from what I know, the notes aren't that exposed to Russia. Hi, Rich. Uh, Yes, that's right. I mean, the whole market has declined since then, but I think ideal standards bond price dropped that much because their cash flow generation has quite deteriorated over the last six months. And this was on the back of several factors. One is um, commodities inflation. In fact, the group is quite exposed to the price of copper and zinc. And it takes about three months for ideal standard to pass down cost inflation through customers. So, uh, margins have fallen and then jumped jumped back from quarter to quarter. And the ability to, to pass down cost inflation without depressing demand is very key for the group. And, you know, there is a risk that a recession could impair sales volume. On a positive note, it seems that the price of these materials has now fallen since their peak in March and April. So margin could potentially stabilize. Other things that have consumed cash uh, were restructuring expenses and working capital. Uh, the group has been carrying out this restructuring of its operation to improve profitability for some time. And it's uncertain when this is actually going to be over because it's been going on for years. And regarding working capital, the outflow in the first quarter was very large. Now, this should revert in the second half of the year. Uh, because it's uh, seasonal, but it's difficult to tell. And I think in general, there are many variables that could put uh, some pressure on liquidity. We do forecast the group will burn cash this year, break even next year, and finally generate some cash in 2024. So are we expecting the group to need to raise additional liquidity to make it through the year? Um, not necessarily. Um, because the group does not face any immediate maturity, given that both the RCF and the notes mature in 2026. Under our base case, the available 15 million RCF should be enough to cover the cash bar, but not in the low case. But we do know that the group has other sources of liquidity, like um, some overdraft and factoring facilities that sit at, um, at its non-guarantor opcos. Also, uh, we calculate that Ideal Standard has some super senior debt capacity, so it could raise super senior debt. Of course, all of these options would result in um, priming of the senior secure notes. But in in our base case, we'll still remain confident that the group should be able to refinance the notes. 
but it would likely have to pay more than the current coupon of um, 6.375%, considering, you know, the rising interest rate environment and the general underperformance since the issuance of the existing notes. Okay, so how does the current 20% yield on ideal standards notes compare with notes of its peers or the other issuers we cover? There are other European credits which are also struggling with uh, uh, raw material inflation and, and whose notes trades at similar levels and provide similar yields. These are, for example, the plant-based spread producer Upfield and uh, the Swedish uh, cosmetics group uh, Oriflame, but these two do not face liquidity problems. Uh, on the other hand, there is um, the auto supplier Adler Palser and the German retailer Taco, which I think are in a worse position because they do face some refinancing risk. And then if I compare uh, Idea Standard with some other home building manufacturer like uh, Profine or the precast concrete solutions company Consolis, I do see that Idea Standard notes uh, offer small premium based on the spread per turn of leverage. And I think the premium can be attributed, you know, to the weak cash generation track record, the lack of visibility over working capital, over the success and the the end of the operational restructuring. And this coupled with um, the group's history of debt and operational restructurings and the lack of guidance from management, which is making investors very frustrated, um, has put you know this pressure on the notes price okay thanks for dialing in julia uh, we'll look forward to having you back on the podcast next week thank you rachel it was a pleasure last week when i was speaking to magnus sherman we were discussing nafta gas uh, which had at that point launched a liquidity review um magnus after we spoke uh, things developed somewhat later during the afternoon so can you bring us up to date yeah, yeah, we we they definitely did. the um, The company in Aftergas they announced a uh, a proposal to push out maturity and uh, interest payments uh, to twenty twenty four. So that's on all three euro bonds, totaling about one point four billion, um, which of course is very very negative news for bondholders. Um, and they were doing this because they say they need to support Ukraine's um, strategic priorities, uh, which includes building up enough gas for the winter. And they need to spend almost eight billion dollars doing that. They say. Um, so the the plan is basically to to suspend interest payments and and a bond payment that's due today of three hundred and thirty five million dollars, um, which of course put um, bondholders in a pretty bad mood. And on Thursday uh, last week, um, law firm Deckard arranged a call uh, with a number of bondholders, and they said. We believe, or the bondholders said, uh, we believe that um, this company can actually easily continue debt service and they need to pay. They need to pay both the 2022s due today and also keep paying interest uh, because it is fundamentally a, a going concern. And yes, there's stress and they need to be supported when that's reasonable, but that's not the time right now was the argument. Okay. And did bondholders go on to organize? No, so they're not creating a steering committee at this point. Um, what they did uh, on the call on Thursday was to urge other bondholders to block the plan when they're voting on the 21st. And it was important, they said, to vote against, not simply abstain, because 
Uh, there are some rules around the how to form a quorum for these uh, meetings. Um, at the first meeting, the, the threshold is 66%. But if they fail to do that, it drops to 33%. So that could mean that for the for the uh, for the well for all of the bonds, you really only need a very small group to pass anything. You need 75% of the participating bondholders to um, to accept. And um, and so they were saying that it's very important that especially you as bondholders who are used to a process where you can uh, basically vote against by abstaining. That's not how it works here. So they were stressing that. Um, and then on Friday, we had a new development uh, where the CEO of Naftogas came out very publicly and told Bloomberg that he apologized to bondholders, saying this he admitted this was a mess um, because com the company has, has told the market uh, only a couple of weeks ago that they would pay this bond that's due today. And now we're in a very, very different situation. And um, obviously, Naftogas is, is very embedded within Ukraine as a state as a whole. So uh, how does this impact on the sovereign? Yeah, it, it is spilling over onto the sovereign bonds because there's this assumption from investors that the state will move in lockstep across all its branches. So that Im includes the government debt, but also the state-owned entities. And so this news of Naftogaz uh, was interpreted by many that now everything's falling apart. So they'll also do something on the the government bonds. Um, so far, we haven't seen anything there that yet, though. Um, but the bonds, if we start, if we look at the uh, 2022 bonds uh, issued by the government, uh, they started last week at 45 cents, so a, a low starting point. They then dipped to 35 on the news of of uh, Naftogaz. And then uh, at the end of the week, there was uh, a comment made by the IMF, this crucial lender to Ukraine, um, that the IMF expects Ukraine to keep paying, to keep servicing its debt. And that then um, made the, bond, uh, the, the bonds bound back. And they're now around 50. Okay. And these 2022s, the, the uh, state ones, when are they due? They are due in uh, September. On the 1st of September, it's a 912 million uh, maturity and widely considered to be a major test of how Ukraine is going to, uh, to to approach this going forward. And we need to remember that it's important for Ukraine to keep investors um, engaged because there's a major reconstruction uh, task ahead and private sector involvement is needed. Okay. We'll keep an eye on it. Thanks a lot, Magnus. Hi, Rob. Nice of you to join us again today. Can you fill us in on what's new in the primary market this week? Hi, Kat. Sure. So issuance is still muted, with one bond and one loan printing last week, and one loan effectively getting shelved, with the sponsor switching to the private credit markets instead. Conditions still remain challenging, with deals requiring huge ORDs to get done and very short syndication times, as leads try and get deals over the line before fresh market volatility upends pricing expectations. So lastly, we had European e-commerce company Best Secret, which prices 350 million senior secured floating rate notes in line with price talk at an 85 ORD with a 6% margin. That deal was priced the same day it was launched, as I said, with um, banks trying to get the deals done very, very quickly before um, there's any change in market volatility. The other deal that came last week was Global, uh, Galileo Global Education, which priced its 300 million term loan B in line with final terms at 93 after having upsized the deal by 50 million from 250 million originally. Um, that loan paid a margin of 500 bips um, and it was initially talked at 92 um, 
plus minus one point OID. So it actually tightened the pricing very slightly during syndication. Um, and then the other week, uh, the other deal that was still in the market last week was um, Gaming One, which had been marketing for over two two weeks without success. Um, and the issue was just in the end unable to place its 300 million term loan B, uh, which paid 525 bips, so a pretty healthy margin. Um, and Leeds had widened the OID to 93 from 95 originally. As a result, sponsor CVC decided to shelve the deal and will try finance the buyout with direct lenders instead. And uh, so how is the pipeline looking for this week? So the pipeline remains pretty bare with just one new loan in syndication, Theramex, a global specialty pharma company focused on women's health. Um, they're marketing a seven-year 550 million euro term loan B, um, partly to refinance debt and partly to support a buyout by Carlisle PAI partners. The B2B rated term loan is guided at 525 bips and an OID of 93, plus minus half a point. However, one positive is that new issuance among CLOs is picking up, boosted by the return of Japanese CLO investor Nochu. So Nochu is Norinchukin Bank, a Japanese lender that was historically one of the biggest buyers of the AAA tranches in both US and European CLOs, but had dropped out of the market back in 2019 because of concerns over the size of its holdings. Its return is key for CLO issuance because in recent months, managers had struggled to place the AAA tranches in new CLOs because of the continuous widening spreads on AAA paper in secondary caused previous buyers to put new purchases on hold. Notchu supported InvestCorp's 391 million euro half CLO issuer earlier this month and it has now lined up several new deals with other CLO managers. However, AAA spreads are still widening. Harvest printed the AAA tranche at 160 basis point margin. However, this was followed by Anchorage pricing its 384 million Anchorage Capital Europe CLO 6 last week with the AAAs paying a hefty 212 basis points. That deal also featured an OID of 98 on the AAA tranche, which is pretty unusual for CLOs. Um, and now we still have all center and bearings currently in the market with CLOs, and both of these are expected to print their AAAs at plus 200 basis points as well. More information on all of the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on the website reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.